everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 55 of Music on the Run. Got a cool, different show for you today. I'm here in New York City, uh, hanging on the coattails of my brother Ricky, who's playing in the house band of uh, the Love Rocks concert for a 501c3 by the name of God's Love We Deliver, which is really cool. Been here for three years doing this with him, or actually watching him. Um, hopefully you can check it out. It's a great, uh, it's a great nonprofit, and you should donate if you can. Beatrice Sterneman from the Belawas Sessions, a little boutique festival in Basel, Switzerland, is my guest on Music on the Run. That's next. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey everybody, I'm St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave me that nickname, and I've been lucky enough to tour with people like the Steve Miller Band, Kenny Loggins, Peter Frampton, Donny Osmond, to name a few. And when I'm not playing music, I love to run. And this is a podcast about how we stay healthy on the road, physically, mentally, and with our families. Welcome to Music on the Run. Hey everybody, St. Paul here, and welcome to episode 55 of Music on the Run. Glad to have you back. Hope you had a great month. Finally starting to warm up here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Been running outside. Uh, we've had a few snowstorms here, but that doesn't stop me. Uh, you know, I'm training for the uh, Grandma's Marathon, and this whole body of mine does not like running 10 and 12 miles, but I'm doing the best I can and getting out there and finally getting some miles in. Got to go down to uh, Florida for a couple of days, and that was fun, except a different kind of a challenge with training. Uh, you know, it's hot and humid down there. My body's been in this this ton frozen tundra for the last six months. It was going, what's going on? But I made it my 10 miles, and we had a great time with the family. But, uh, oh, yeah, and the other thing is we had a wonderful fundraiser for the Peterson Family Scholarship in Jazz Studies. Not only did we have our funk friday online auction that kind of carried over into our actual concert that we did with the u of m jazz ensembles all the college students there under the direction of dean Sorensen. we ended up raising over ten thousand dollars which is not a small amount and we are going to be able to help more kids study jazz right here in minneapolis minnesota so we're so thankful thankful for to all of you who were able to contribute. And, uh, you know, we'll keep doing it. We're going to keep going with Funk Friday and, of course, with Music on the Run. Today's podcast is going to be just a little bit different. You know, you're used to seeing me you know, interviewing artists or actors or those kind of things. But today we're going to interview someone who was responsible for hiring artists, which I think is going to be very, very cool. This woman is the CEO of a boutique music festival in Basel, Switzerland, called the Balawas Sessions. And they've had everyone from Miles Davis to Elton John come to this little intimate theater and perform. It's, it's a one-of-a-kind thing. Please welcome Beatrice Sternemann. And uh, you have to excuse me. Uh, Be may I call you Bea or would you prefer Beatrice? 
You can call me Bea as well, if that's fine. Probably easier for me <laughs> to pronounce. Many old friends call me Bea. Okay. The, all right. Well, we're all friends now. We're all friends, yeah. And, and did I did I butcher your last name as badly as I think I did? No, it did was I, very good. Steering man. Very good. Thank you very much. You know, I had some coaching from our mutual friend, Davide Razzo, who Davide is the producer of uh, Music on the Run, and he uh, and you go back quite a ways, don't you? Yes, many, many years. When we were young and wild, and he was still <laughs> in Switzerland. <laughs> right, so Davide grew up, I think, uh, close by you, and you were friends for years, and, uh, and those kind of things, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we spent a lot of time... Uh, um, yeah, doing stuff that you do when you are young. Uh, yeah, go and have a bath in the swimming pool and stuff like that. And yeah, lot of lot of fun. And he was playing in a band, and we went to see him when he was playing in in this band. And yeah, really long time. I think it was in my twenties. Is that time. right? Yeah, man, so, that was yesterday. You look great. <laughs> so tell me about. The Balawas sessions. Will you just give me a, a kind of an overview of what this is for the people here in my audience who, who don't know what that is? Yeah, you when you made the introduction, you said it's a boutique festival. Actually, it's a, a festival, but a very small festival. But we love to welcome big artists in mm -hmm. our at our festival. And what is special about it is you sit at tables with candlelight. So like in the old clubs, where play, uh, jazz was played. So that's what we do. And we have uh, 1,500 seats and uh, everybody sits at a little table, can have a drink and uh, a glass of wine or whatever they would like to drink and candlelight. And mm. that's how you watch the shows at our place. So it's very intimate, very special. And uh, yeah, that's what we do. Tell me a little bit about about the history of this festival? How did it start? Um, it started, well, now it's 37 years, but we had only 35 editions. So it started 35 years ago, and it was a really regional, very small festival. It actually came out of an event agency. We used to, oh. to organize events for companies, and the festival was like... Um, the, the way how we could show how we work. But it was very small. It was uh, just, first it was an open air thing and then uh, we went indoors. We were playing at five different uh, places in town and it was more in jazz, blues, gospel. That's how it all started. And uh, yeah, we were, I don't know how we can say that, we were very lucky because already in the third year, uh, Miles Davis was coming to town. So how did like, you, how did you get miles? <laughs> did you well, just ask? Did you just yeah, ask? Yeah, I have I have to admit, at that time of the the festival, I was not already working for it. Okay. Founded. I was not one of the founders, but I came uh, seven years later. I joined it. So it. it was really. It was also for them. It was very special. So. Oh, I bet. That's, the story behind that right. but i know they just dropped because i heard the story many many times and they you were still um, writing letters at that time and they just wrote a letter and somehow in this business you need to be lucky and mm. sometimes you are very lucky and that was one of the moments when this festival was more than lucky and that's how it happened so yeah 
then it turned into more of a multi-genre festival. When did that happen when it transferred out of the gospel and jazz and blues? Well, that came, that came slowly because um, music is very broad and then you bring in uh, the blue side and then uh, you, you talk to other uh, artists and they say, hey, you can bring also this person or this artist and, and uh, the, jazz, the jazz gospel um, genre was quite, you know, it was, it was, it's only a small uh, part of people you can attract and we knew there, there is more and we wanted to show more all the sides of the music that there are. So we also tried our luck and wrote to other people who were in pop or in, in, in rock. And uh, yeah, you have, you have to like uh, try and be, be brave and be, yeah, just take your chances. And that's how it all involved. And because it was very, at the beginning, it was very regional. The, the festival was called Rhine Knie Session. Mm. That was the beginning. So I think it was too difficult for you also to understand what yeah. it was. But actually, it was here. We have a big river, and uh, it, it makes like it, fl it fl flows like a, a knee. So and our city is like at the knee of of uh, of this river. So uh -huh. that was the name of the festival before. So also this involved involved in all this this time. So yeah, you just try your luck. You think yeah, let's try this genre or like, let's try this genre. And and there's so many artists that we want to present. So that's how it all involved. I can it's not easy to to describe. <laughs> I'm sure. No, Bea, of course, because you have limited seats or limited yes. seating. On purpose. Yes. But you're attracting people instead of filling 1,500 seaters, they could fin fill 15,000 and beyond that. Yeah. How does that work out? I, I saw when I was doing my research on you that you have sponsors that were very excited and you've had a few sponsors along the way. Did they just come to you and say, that we want a part of this, we want to support you? Do you know the history of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the history of that. Uh it's, it's not always that people come and say they want to support us. Some want, but also this, if you want to have a festival like this, everything is hard work because you have to convince people because you need money to do this. Uh, money is not uh, something that you find hanging on the tree or <laughs> it's not in the street. So it's also hard work. And right. I think that's, that's how, yeah, how, how you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your strength. You have to believe in what you want to do, where you're going to go. You have to believe in this, in this, um, in the decision that you say, we only have 1500 seats, even though we could have 6,000, because mm. this is part of the concept. And you just keep thinking about, can we change this? Can we change that? Which sponsor maybe fits us? Because, if you go to a sponsor that maybe sells very cheap stuff, it doesn't fit with the image that we want to have mm -hmm. as a boutique festival. So rather have one sponsor less in one year, but have the best one in five years. So it's like, um, it's, it's hard. It's the heart. Everything we have done for this festival is with the heart. So I think that's mm -hmm. the, the secret of it. It's like the secret. The heart for music, the, yeah. 
that's how it works. Yeah, it sounds so similar to what the actual music business is from my side, the artist side. You have to find money. You have to find people who believe in you. You have to have heart. You have to work hard. It's not easy. These are all very parallel universes that we live in. And it's it's very, very similar, don't you think? Yeah, because in this business, you, you need to love what you do. You need to love the people that you meet. You need to love everybody who is part of the festival. So, yeah, it, yeah. I, I think if I couldn't do this job anymore, I would be like a plant with no water. Hmm. So this is what I get out of this. It's just, yeah. It's, tell me, tell, tell me yeah. your background from when you were a kid. Did you love music? Is this something that you saw yourself doing? Um, no, I never expected to myself to work in, in this business. It was also pure luck. <laughs> okay. Um, but I all, always did. I, I, I can't sing. I never learned how to read or write music or, or so. But I was always a music lover. I remember, and this was something that just happened to me as well. I, when I was a kid, I was 12, 13, 14. There was a, a club here in Basel, a night club. And the music they played every weekend was uh, aired on the radio. And I was sitting at home with my, with my tape. Yeah, oh yeah. And I was taping the songs that I liked sure. out of this nightclub. And that's how I really got to get the love of music. Mm. But uh, I was just listening to it. I, was, I got the feeling of what made me happy, what made me cry, what made me laugh, what made me dance. And this is how my love for music was growing. But uh, I, I don't play in a band. I took some singing lessons. But uh, it's just, um, yeah, without music, my life wouldn't work. So that's how it all started. And just recently, I met the guy who used to own this music club. Oh, my God. We were talking about it, and I said, you can't believe what you have done to my life because it's because of you and your music club that I'm probably now in the music business. And I got very emotional <laughs> explaining this. Now, a bit older man, how, what an impact he had on my life. So uh, I'm still getting <laughs> uh, yeah, very excited if, about think, this story that I just met him. Think of all the people that you've impacted with your time with the Belawas Festival. Can you imagine the tens of thousands of people, not only that have come to your festival over the last 37 years, is that right? Yeah, 37 years, yeah. But I also know that you broadcast portions of this and have sold DVDs and things like that and CDs of live performances. You have carried on that tradition that that gentleman did for you, and you probably don't have any idea how much impact you've had on other people's lives through the work that you do with this. So can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, actually, it's quite funny that you say that. I have, a, I have this is a, a very, a very new project from Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Mm. He was playing our festival some years ago and he loved his performance here so much that he did a DVD of his show here and we are in his 50 years book. So this is, the show that he played that we recorded for, for those of you who are just listening on the podcast she's holding up a three cd 
big yeah. booklet uh, and, and full of uh, two CDs and a DVD of his performance. Right. That's Man's Earth Band. We we are part of this mantology. Fifty years of Manfred Man's Earth Band. So That's it's just amazing. Incredible. See, you have impact not only on the people who are listening, but the people who are playing. And yeah. so yeah. you were trained in the music business. How did you? Did you came through college? When, when what was your major in college? In, at I, university. I, uh, I started uh, economics and marketing. That's how I started. But I always knew I would never go and work with bank or I would never go and work with an insurance. I knew that I, I had, yeah, my destiny was something else. Mm. And uh, I started uh, just before my studies, I started to as a volunteer, actually at this festival. Well, tell I started me about like, that. I want to yeah. know how you grew through this whole festival <laughs> to be the CEO. I don't know. I want to know all the different jobs that you had and how you got to where you are today. I thought I did everything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I started as a volunteer and uh, I was like um, doing the backstage hospitality for, for the artist or I was checking the tickets at the entrance or I was like the driver for the artists. So mm. that's how it all started. I didn't get paid for that, but uh, I was just like, you could like write them and say, hello, I would like to help because I love music. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I did that for... I did that for, yeah, almost 12 or 13 years before I actually came into the organization. So that's how it all started. But I got into the organization um, for the event part where we used to organize corporate events. That's where okay. I came in because everybody was like a project manager for corporate events. But as I said before, we had the festival already. So then half of the year we were working for the corporate events and half of the year we were working for the festival. So, and then we had, um, uh, like, um, when I was still a, a volunteer, I knew I wanted to get into the organization. So I heard that there was uh, something going on because one of the sponsors, the, the, pr the principal sponsor, left when we were still called Rhein Knie Session. Mm -hmm. So I knew there was a big change about to happen. And then I said, hey, if you need some help, I'm here. I've studied. Uh, yeah. And that's uh, how I then uh, could, could get into it. And that I came then into it when the name changed. Because okay. we had three did, different... Did it change to AVO or, or... Exactly. We changed to AVO. And I was like doing uh, part of the, of the marketing concept for... The new festival. That's how it started because I had a degree in marketing. Right. So you actually, you could use your training from university and your love for music and your history with the organization to be able to plug in and help market this new name for this festival. Exactly. So you were able to do all of that. Yeah. But I, it was, that was part of it because we were two people then working all year just for the festival. That was the other. Wow. Other change. Only so, two people on payroll? Well, there was this uh, event company that did corporate events, but yeah. we just focused then on the on the festival. So that was it was and, and then and the festival was coming closer, then everybody from the from the corporate event company was coming to help and we had many other volunteers. So we grew, we were let's say fifty people and then they all left again and then we kept on on working on the 
on the face. Ah, so they come and go when you need them. Yes, exactly. I understand. Yeah. What was your next job after marketing for this festival? Oh, it was it was called marketing, but I did everything. Oh, give me <laughs> an example of what a day in the life of 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 of, of Bea looks like when you're planning a festival of this magnitude. You must be running from driving people to um, calling artists and, and tell me what that looks like. A day at the festival. We're going to take a little break from the interview right now because I want to tell you about a couple of really cool things. First of all, we're having so much fun with our weekly one-minute funk jams called Funk Friday. We've had so many world-class musicians on Funk Friday, including members of the Steve Miller Band, Fleetwood Mac, Daryl Hall and John Oates, Earth, Wind and Fire, just to name a few. You can check that out on all of our social media, but you can also see it on our YouTube channel. I also want to take this opportunity to thank all of our members who have supported us on Patreon. Don't know what Patreon is? Go to www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast and there you'll get all sorts of information on how you can financially help us produce this podcast there are all kinds of incentives listed there on the website and there are many different levels on how you can become involved we could not put on this podcast without our patrons all right let's get back to the interview a day at the festival well, I have to remember because, you know, we haven't happened for two years now. <laughs> so and we will talk about that. Yeah. Too. So I, um, it starts like this. So I get up at 6.30. I read my emails. I, I drive to the, to the venue because I want to be there like when the first people arrive. So maybe there's the... The, the, the truck is coming, so I want to say hello to the truck drivers. I want to welcome them because for me, everybody who comes to the festival is important. Mm. No matter if it's the artist or if it's the truck driver or if it's a stagehand or whatever. I want to be there and say hello to everybody. So I am there already early in the morning and I just talk to the people. And then if, there, if I said hello to everybody, I go to my office there. I, 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 I work with, I talk to everybody who is there. And maybe I have a contract to read that is not signed yet because mm. of the broadcasting rights. Uh, maybe I have to go and get somebody picked up at the airport. Sometimes I drive to the airport in Basel or to, to Zurich. Um, uh, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> and then when the artists come, I go and pick them up at the entrance. I bring them to the dressing room. I help when there's interviews to be made. Um, yeah, I talk to the production manager, to the tour manager, to the artists. I talk, uh, we have a very special project with this, with this calendar that you see here. Mm -hmm. I try to convince all the artists that we may take a portrait of them. So, yeah, it's just, I'm just there trying to keep everybody motivated and, mm -hmm. uh, and make everybody feel at home. That's my job. I want everybody to feel at home. And I want people to go home and say they have never been to a, a festival where people were laughing so much. 
where oh, the, because great. we are the festival where a smile is the most important thing to make everything work well. So that's we are a family, and we want people to smile when they leave. That's what we do. You mentioned that everybody is equally as important as the next, whether you're the artist, you're the manager, or you're the catering person or the truck driver. Yeah. Is that what sets this festival apart from all other festivals? Because what I've heard through the grapevine, through my friends in the business, is they love coming there to do that festival. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a very good news. Yeah, I, I don't know if that is the secret, but the, I think it's the most important because I, I think that being an artist or being on tour is such a difficult thing. Because you are on tour for three months, for half a year, for one year. And the only thing that you wish is to feel like at home. And I think that's one of the most important things, that you welcome people to your home and make them feel at home. Because when the artist goes on stage or when the truck driver is driving before the artists come or the stagehands that unload the truck or everything, if, if they... If they feel treated well, they treat you well. And then this goes from the very bottom to the very top. And this display is displayed on stage. And this goes out to the people who have bought a ticket. So that's, that's the most important thing. Mm. I think. Just to, yeah, yeah, to make people happy and to make them feel at home. Music yeah. can do that, can it? Yes, Music can. can heal. Music can heal everything. I think that's the one thing that connects us all. Is yes. our love for music. And people, you know, people keep asking me, "Oh, I have heard that there is a, a rider, and that you have to like make everything work for them, and they have very special needs." And I say, "Yeah, yeah. they have." But I can understand it because mm -hmm. if I was every night in another city, sleeping in another hotel room, I want some things that I know do me well, even if it's just food or if it's just a flower or if it's just it's a comfort. It's comfort to it's us. Comfort. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And this is the most important thing, to make people comfortable in that house. So, yeah. Well, well yeah. done. Everybody tells me that they love that festival. Will you explain to me the decision-making process and how you pick your lineup for the year. Take this year, for example. Oh, this year is a difficult year. <laughs> um, okay, we start with a white paper. But we start with the memory of all the artists that have not been here yet. Mm. So we have like an archive, I don't know, of 1,500 artists that we love to be one once in Basel. So we go through all these names and we keep writing to all the agents that we know because over all these years you build up like a, yeah, um, they know you, they, they rely on you and, uh, and then you write to them and you say, well, is this artist available? Is this artist available? And for to get a lineup with 10 nights, each two artists, I would say we talk with about 600 artists' ideas, you know? Wow. But we don't always get what you want. <laughs> also Can't here. always get what you want. <laughs> right. Yeah, so you have to be patient and you have to 
to like uh, say hello it's us again we are back this is our period don't forget us and yeah keep keep uh, showing just keep showing that you are there keep talking about what you have done already how happy the artists were and uh, yeah work hard as well because you never st you never stop do you no i never stop <laughs> no because um yeah it's uh, there's so many things that uh, need to be right for a tour to happen. So they need enough places to play. They need the right routing. They need the right money. The artist has to be uh, okay with the routing they did. And then you have like, now we had Corona, COVID, and now we have this terrible war. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like try to find what works best for you and the artist because I can understand also that sometimes it's just not the right moment for somebody to come right. so you have to accept if an artist has had your offer for let's say two months and in the end he says no it doesn't work let's talk about it again next year so you never have to take it personally but just yeah be patient and and go because there's so many artists we tried for 15 20 years for them to come here and when they finally come and they are here and they say i have never played here before then you have done something <laughs> yes. and that that's what has to happen why have i never played here before because then once they have been here they like to come back so <laughs> now you just brought something up that we even had to talk about uh we i've talked coronavirus with so many different people Let's wait on that. This war that's going on, not too far away from really where you are. How does that impact your communications with bands from throughout Europe or the States or wherever you get them? People, I'm sure, are nervous. Yes, people are nervous, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I know already many tours who will not happen, who will be postponed because of this, because, yeah, they were would also be been touring around these countries, and it's, yeah, it's here, it's Europe, you can fly there, it's it's like you flying from Miami to, to New York. Yes. It's just around the corner. I can drive to Germany, through Germany, to the to the border of Poland, and then you drive through Poland and you are there. It's I know. It's just not imaginable. It's, it's just... Yeah, it really is is uh, unbelievable, and it makes us all yeah, worry. And well, I, I I hope that it this all resolves, you know, for everyone involved way before your event. I hope your event can come on and help heal some hearts. And uh, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier, music is the great unifier, and uh, I just hope that. Uh, you know, that, that your festival can continue on. Explain to me that something that's known, because this war is unknown and how it will impact you, and that was kind of an unfair question, but I appreciate you uh, answering it to the best of your knowledge. You had to pivot in the last two years to go from 34 years or whatever it is of live uh, events, and then here comes COVID, and you you have nervous artists who can't travel and you can't travel, you know, country to country. And it had to be extremely difficult for you to pivot, but you did it. 
How did you do it? Uh, we, we, well, when we started to, I actually booked the lineup for uh, 2020. Um, it was, uh, I, w- I went to London, to ILMC, I guess you know that. Yeah. And uh, there was already this talk about this virus. And in, 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 in here in Basel, um, they cancelled Fasnacht. I don't know if you have heard about that. It's, mm. it's a carnival, which is very famous. It's happening they, right now, yes? Yes, it's happening right now. Yes. So this got cancelled and I went to, to London and, and then we all started to talk about this. And when I was sitting there, I knew this year nothing is going to happen. But I still tried to book a lineup and I was writing to agent and I said, yeah, there must be somebody who wants to tour. And everybody said, no, 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 we are not going to tour. And I, I came back and I said to myself, it's not going to happen. We have to find something. And people and uh, the government was already talking about, well, we have to shut down everything. And then I, um, and we, out of a brainstorming that we had done before, because we wanted to like be more uh, on social media and, and like try to find ideas. So we came up and we said, okay, if this is going to happen, we bring shows at home. So we go to an artist and we film it and, and we, 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 we show it online. Mm. And then the, the lockdown came and yeah. I called one of my sponsors and I said, we have now to take a decision. We have to do all our session at home. So um, we, we spoke to uh, uh, some artists, uh, a Swiss band, and we called them and we said, can you do something for us? Would you do like a show? You film it with your mobile phone and we are going to air it on Facebook. And we did that with this band who is very famous here in Switzerland. Mm. One week after lockdown, we did the first follower session at home live streaming concert. And we had 1,200 people who were watching this live stream. And you cannot imagine how people were writing, oh, this is great, and now I don't feel that alone, and, and music helps me, and, and it was just 1,200 people watching this live stream filmed with a mobile phone. It was just incredible. <laughs> so we decided to go on with this. We did three shows like that because it was in lockdown, so nobody was allowed to go somewhere. Sure. So we always asked uh, the artists to film themselves. On the second stream, we had almost 2,000 people watching the live stream on a Monday evening. And uh, so we said, there is like, people need music, so it has to be our goal to go on. And then in May, we did a third, and only in May, we decided to cancel the festival. Okay. Only in May, after actually the lockdown, the first lockdown here in Switzerland. And then we decided... We will move on with this live streaming concept. So we we like um, uh, invented a promotion. Uh, we we uh, were looking for some media sponsors, and we we got some money from our sponsor from Basler Versicherung, which is an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And then we were programming every month a live stream with the act from Switzerland because they all lost their, their show so they all wanted yeah. to play for people so we just keep on going and every time we, we like put up another live stream we had more people watching it was just amazing so we did like a community building 
and we could keep our brand alive and we could like like make people happy with music which helped us which helped the artists who could play this uh, live stream for us which helped the people who were like at home and didn't know what was happening to the world and music as you said music is important music gives life music helps gives strength so that's that's what we did and we did that now for for almost two years so your, that's but your we, live streams have gotten a lot better than just a single iPhone. I got to tell you, yes. I, lo- I looked at the I looked at the footage that you have up from your most recent stuff, and it's beautifully yes. shot. Are you shooting it now in that theater that you have that fifteen hundred seater? No, but actually, where we shoot it in the end, where we started to at the with every artist's home because we were in lockdown. Then we started oh, right. to go to artists' places, and then I just realized. It is so difficult because we always needed a secure internet line. So yes, if you, you do. Stream, so then I decided to look for a place where we could, could stay every month. And then I went to the club where actually in the first three years was one of the locations we played. So it's a very famous music club here in Basel. Um, and then we went there and just like build up the all everything technically that we needed and what was the nice thing about that is that i could like call for people who normally work for the festival so i did the recording company the guys that normally are at the the big festival they came there with a mobile um mobile version of uh <laughs> for the um, how do you say that? Where they put all the cameras together and I oh, have Oh, yeah. See- Live stream, shoot, whatever. Yes, I yeah. understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And I had the same people that normally film at the festival. I had some stagehands working for me. I had some technicians working for me. So we could just get like the family, some of the family back mm. together. So that's then we started to shoot with first with two cameras, then with three cameras. In the end, we had seven cameras, depending on the band that we had. Because, it's beautiful. Yeah, we were lucky to have twice also international artists nice, um, yeah. came here to Basel. One was uh, Mario Biondi from Italy and one was uh, Milo from Belgium. And nice. uh, with Milo, we had uh, uh, 6,000 people watching uh, the live stream because that was just shortly when the second lockdown came. And then we had a, um, a Swiss-French artist where we had 8,000 8, people watching the live live stream, not the one that you could VO, watch VOD, but really the live live stream. And on the VOD side, we had up to 350,000 clicks on, on each show that we produced. It's totally crazy. Because this is also a business. Was this, did you charge admission for, for this? Or was it, was a, did people send money? Did your sponsors cover all the the cost of it? How did that all work? No, our sponsor covered the, 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 the fees for the artists, yes. all the technical side, the promotion we did, but the, you could watch the live stream for free. It was like Incredible. a gift. Yeah. yeah, it was a gift and it was watched. Many, many people watched it because, and you could, um, they could like uh, comments. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, session uh, and then they could ask questions to for the some questions they always wanted to ask an artist and then during the show I went on stage and asked the questions that were sent 
through the comment session. And uh, sometimes you also try to bring somebody in via phone that uh, was on the loudspeaker so that the artist could hear the person asking the question directly. So it was really also interactive. And I think that was part of the, of why it worked so well, because people knew they were heard and they could ask questions and they were part of the whole thing. So, yeah. Great planning on your part. Way to, I mean, that's, that's such a successful pivot and it's good for everybody. Not only is it good for your brand and the festival, it's good for the musicians, it's good for your crew, it's good for your family, it's good for everyone who's watching. And it's good because you, now you're in a position, we hope, to be able to do this live again. And tell me when the festival is. It's in October, yeah? Yeah, ah, when? Yeah, it's yes, in October. When? Yeah, October 28th, we start and then we run for two and a half weeks. And I expect this year that we have 10 evenings with two artists each. So, yeah, oh, and I'm, I'm totally confident that it will happen because it has to happen. We need music. Yes, we artists do. need to play. Artists want to contact to the, to the, to the fans again. Otherwise, it's the world is not a good place. So yeah, I I just make everything to make it happen again. I have no doubt about that. Before <laughs> I let you go, I'm, it would be fun for me and my listeners to know some of the most memorable moments of the festival since you've been there. Do you have anything that stands out? Oh, I have many things. <laughs> Give yeah. me one example. Yes. Um. Well, one example was maybe Grace Jones. Grace Jones is famous as an artist, but the, her personality is like a art. She's art. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, she made like a, a comeback show and, and we had, we booked her and it was uh, aired by, by Arte, biggest cultural uh, TV station here in Switzerland. Uh -huh. And uh, She's just amazing. I, I cannot describe this person. She is like one of a kind. So her show and how she acted and how she was singing and how she was crying on stage herself. She was so emotional. So that was something that I will never forget. And, uh, and, uh, and you have uh, this lady here, Alicia Keys. Oh, yes. Um, this is, I was, I still can't believe that she has played our festival because I've been following her since her first album came out and she helped me through, her music helped me through difficult times. And uh, she was one of the, of the artists standing on stage and saying to the audience, how come I've never played here before? This is magic. This is beautiful. This is, and I was just like, crying the hell out of my eyes because it was <laughs> so emotional and uh, yeah it's uh, it, there are so many artists you can't you cannot describe what what it means when you've been waiting for them for 12 15 i don't know how many years and finally yeah. they are here it's just yeah it's just mind-blowing it's just yeah. mind-blowing and uh, i'm touched every time when when it happens yeah what are you, do you have any goals or dreams for this festival moving forward? Anything that you'd like to do that you haven't done? Well, there are many artists that I still want to come here. And, uh, 
and I want this this festival to go on for another hundred years. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I don't want to get big. I, I, I like the way we are because I think this is really special because many people said already you have to go get bigger with the festival and sell more tickets and uh, and I don't think that is what makes a festival better right. I think I it should stay like this this kind of 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 of, uh, of size but what I would like to do and what, what is something that I I'm really interested in is like have another stage for emerging artists because right. You, you get to know so many artists and, um, and uh, at my festival, it would be like perfect to have like, like a separate stage for emerging artists. And I think that would be important because it's important that new people come up because the, the, the younger people are listening to different music than you and I are doing. So sure. there has to be like... The history of music has to go back to the early days when artists started and like building this up and this gets like it would it, it would make it more more displaying the the where where an artist starts and where it can go. So that would be very interesting for me to have more like to show the development of music. I would love to do that. I hope that happens for you in the very near future. Before I let you go, we can't we can't not mention the the founder Matthias, um, who passed away in 2016, yeah. and he was responsible for this with a few other partners. But he, I bet you, he would be so proud of what you've done with this festival and how you've kept it going and how you've kept this brand and this name and his memory alive through music. So I just wanted to uh, mention him because he's an important part of this, isn't he? Oh yes. And I miss him every day because uh, we worked together for so many years. And uh, yeah, it, it was like we were we were like a married couple, but we were never <laughs> married. <laughs> your your work marriage, yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know when when you you lose somebody that you you work so intensively and you go you through highs and lows and you you just keep motivating together you, each other. It's like you are lost. When such a person goes away, you are very lost. And it was like like part of me had left. And uh, yeah, still today, sometimes I think, what would Matthias have been doing in this situation? And this happened a lot through the COVID, uh, through the COVID time. And uh, yeah, everything... Everything I do is I know there's a big legacy and uh, and uh, nothing could stop me for from uh, putting this festival further because of him, because of all the artists who have played here and just to keep this memory because he was a person also with a, with a big heart for music mm. and he loved what he did and uh, yeah, it's a privilege to go on with this and uh, yeah, for another hundred years. Yeah. Thank and that I find somebody who will continue this when I move. <laughs> That's the key, isn't it? You got to yeah. find somebody as passionate as you. But it doesn't look like you're ready to give up the reins quite yet. Oh. Oh. No. <laughs> Not yet. Well, I have to just say thank you to you. What a beautiful uh, job you're doing at this. I hope to come and play your festival someday in some shape or form, or a band or my band. I want to, or just come and watch. 
I just want to see what it is that you do and what everybody is talking about. Tell me how we can get more information about the festival. And if my fans can come over there, how do we get tickets and, and all that? Um, we, the ticket sales is on our website, balwasession.ch, or you follow us on Facebook or on Instagram. And uh, for people who come abroad and have difficulty to like get tickets, I always say just write to our info email and then we help you because uh, sometimes it's not easy from abroad, but normally it works because we have people coming from the States, we have people coming from UK, we have people coming from Italy. So yeah, it should be easy. And about you being on our stage, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Let's bring a little Minneapolis funk over there. That's what we need yeah. to do. We let's, love make it, let's make it happen. Yeah, we do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. That is episode 55 of Music on the Run. We'll see you in one more month. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, Davide Razo. Social media by Mary Beth Stevens. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember, music is good for the soul.